Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Rover Talk. We our apologies for uh taking such a long time to come back. We we always apologize because we're just always super busy. Holy I, shit, what a summer. Yeah. I mean I was gone all of August. Yeah, same same with me. Anyway, thank you for tuning in to us again. We're gonna try to be a little bit more regular, right, Dan? Yeah. Now during the winter at least we have a little bit more, you know, a little bit more time. Yeah. Anyway, we got a lot to cover today. Dan is going to tell us about everything that he's been doing at the farm that might be related to cars or not. Um, I have a new daily driver. I've been to Spain quite a few times, and I bought a unicorn. Well, not a unicorn, but unicornish, right? Yeah. One of Dan's, quote unquote, favorite cars. Okay, Dan, start me off with your part. By the way, remember, if you want to reach out to us, rovertalk55 at gmail.com. SRI2405 is my Instagram handle. Dan's, as you well know, is WagonBoyTD. Reach out to us. Remember that um, RoverTalk has an Instagram, too. It's called RoverTalk. So yep. follow us there. You'll get to see a little bit of stuff about the episodes, maybe even before we do them. Anyway, Dan, tell me about your projects. Well, there's not not too much projects. You know, as I said, I was gone all of August, and then so I took a few days off last week. Uh, went out to the farm, spent a lot of time in uh, the disco, which, you know, is probably one of my favorites. As I always say, don't tell the others, but um, did a lot of uh, trailing and went west a little bit. And I posted a picture on my uh, Instagram of this awesome uh, structure that came across that it was kind of uh, teepee-ish, but just made out of branches. It was pretty cool. Um, aside from that, you know, I rebuilt the porch on, on the... Uh, Which looks awesome, by the way. Thank you. And, um, you know, I used the series to haul uh, haul the wood. So, you know... They kind of played their part and did what they're supposed to do and and uh, worked. And now I'm finally uh, back in Chicago. Took out the classic uh, Sunday night when I got back. Um, you know, it's a good kid. We're winding down, as you know, to the end of the season. Uh, you know, for us in Chicago actually the state of Illinois, depending on what plates you have. And the weather, we pretty much wrap up, you know, the season for like classic classics at the end of October is when some of our plates, uh, you know, stop to be legal. And my two-door classic has that type of plate. Well, they're, so. they're, they're technically legal. You just can't use the highways. Right. But then... Also, sometimes we've had snow in October here in Chicago. So hopefully, this is not the year again. Yeah. So uh, yeah, summer went by way too fast. It did. Yeah. Well, uh, about beginning of August, I my L three two two, which was a two thousand six four point four V eight. HSE, Gaverney Green with green and cream interior, was parked very close to my apartment. 
And as I was walking home one day uh, from the supermarket, I looked at it and I thought, wow, the rear left bag airbag is really far down. When I got a little bit closer, I realized that my car had been hit. And apparently there was a driver that hit six cars. Um, Actually, I think he only hit four or five. And mine bashed into a wonderful Golf R, like brand new looking. I felt so bad for that guy because to see the... Anyway, my car got hit. Now, fortunately, I was able to... I always have insurance, just in case anybody's wondering that question. Yes, I have insurance on all my vehicles. Don't go around without insurance. If you don't have insurance, don't drive your damn car. Right, Dan? Uh, Aside from the legal factors, but yes, like... I mean, thank God you had full coverage because typically on a you know 15 year old car 17 year old right it was pretty old yes um you know we kind of are just used to just doing liability i don't but we'll see my father worked in insurance for his entire career so i can't like i can't do that because i would like feel weird yeah you know it's one of those things anyway but thank god you you had I did. the type of coverage. So um, I had the car towed to a local shop here in Chicago where I know uh, Land Rover and Bentley inside of Chicago send the cars at body shop. They came back with a quote of $26,000 to fix it. Now, the front had no real damage, but both of the airbags in the back were gone. The axle was offset, the rear axle, so clearly there was some damage in there. Every part of the rear geometry of the suspension was basically looking like a Picasso. It had the rear quarter panel damage, the rear right door, the rear tailgate, the rear bumper. Um, You know, basically a bit of everything. You know, it's unfortunate because the hit was was in the in the rear corner. And if it hadn't affected the wheel, I'm sure that it could have been fixable at a more reasonable amount of money. Yeah. Um, But. Insurance company declared it a total loss, which I already knew was going to happen. And I shortly after I went to Spain, so I didn't really need a car. And then when I got back from Spain, I had a two-door 200 TDI Disco, which I used as a daily driver quite well. Black, the one that was on, sold on Cars and Bids. Yep. Um, quite, quite a nice car. And I used it as a daily driver, you know, every day. No, no issues there. Great. I lo- kind of like daily driving a disco in the summer. Yeah, it's kind of kind of like a like a good car because you roll down the windows and there's like all this air and it's just it's just a cool place to be. Um, but that sold, and then I was left with a mini, a, oh my God, a mini. 1991 Rover Mini Cooper 1275. So that one's going to be up on Bring a Trailer super shortly. So pay attention to it because it's yellow. Dan, you drove it the other day. Yeah, I mean it. It, uh, I mean, you know, I've driven minis before, but it usually, you know, the last mini that I drove would have been, I didn't even drive that one, did No, because you didn't want to drive it. I, that's right. I did drive that one, that the last one that you brought in. Um, I'm trying to figure out, like, trying to remember, like, why I wouldn't. No, no. The last one because it, the last one went went up for sale pretty quickly. We, I didn't even drive that much. It was in the middle of the winter, remember? So it wasn't. Oh it was yeah, in February, yeah, yeah, So yeah, I didn't yeah. even. I mean, I basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, so driving this one, um, you know, it took a hot minute to 
you know, obviously do the uh, third gear. Um, you know, when you drive 10 different manuals all the time and then you get into a mini and you're looking for third gear, it took me a minute to like basically what what we would think is fifth gear in a disco. You know, you're going basically like yeah, all the way to the right yeah. and north to like, you know, get into gear. But that 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 ride in Chicago was just it was the best. It was you know, that car handled the corners like great. You know, I mean if you've driven a mini, you know that they're tight to the ground and you know, they hug it and, you know, they're just, uh, if you say you don't have fun driving one of them, then you just don't like you cars. Need to take. You need to take the bus. Yeah, I mean, like, and this coming from someone who takes the bus every or, day. Or drive a Prius. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, a total blast. And I can't wait to see it come up on on uh, Bring a Trailer and see how it does. Anyway, so the we'll continue we kind of got a little sidetracked but we'll continue the story so i decided to go out and look for a new car so let's just back up a second okay. because i'm sure everybody is wondering so and you don't have to share but i think a lot of people would like to know a little bit more about the process of the insurance company buying okay. it out so what did they what did they give you for first of all let's let's how many miles did it have? It had 174,000. Uh, was the windshield still smashed? Before? The windshield had a crack, and it, that crack expanded sizably with the, okay. <laughs> with the... Was the check engine light pretty much permanently on? It was permanently on, but it, it needed a... The software flashed, so I didn't yeah, yeah. really get to it. Yeah, yeah. It worked um, very well. How old were the tires? I don't remember. You don't remember? So they're older. Older, yeah. Yeah. Um, and how was, it had been a while since I looked at the undercarriage. How was the undercarriage? Undercarriage was never bad on that car. Um, it had a little bit of Chicago surface rust, but nothing bad. It had a little patch of rust, uh, on the body, on the passenger rear door. Oh, that's common. Which is a pretty common spot for there. Um, so when all is said and done, you know, you and I have talked about this, you know, privately, I think you still made out okay. I did. Yeah. So, you know, it's it, it's sad because of the fact that, like, you love the car. We love the L322. I'm just kind of leading into, like, the vehicle that you just bought. But, you know, you loved this car a lot. I mean, it... it I did. It pretty really much... Did. It fit the need. You know, you have a small daughter, um... You could fit everything in that back, and I've seen you, I think, cram two sets of wheels in there. And along with, like, two sets of wheels and two classic seats at the same time. Yeah. So, you know, I know you kind of miss that sort of, of thing, and I and I know that you tried hard to uh, replace a 22 for a 22, kind of keep in the same family. But as we've been talking about for three years, that... They're just impossible to find There's now. There's nothing out there. There's nothing out there, and especially in that in that sweet spot, you know that that both I. I mean, and don't I get me like. wrong. There is, but you've got to pay thirty grand if you want a good one. Yeah, yeah. So all that being said, 
insurance company took care of you. You had to say goodbye to. Uh, it was horrible. It was horrible. Gaberni twenty two. Yeah, because I had to go. So once I once I had it towed to the to the body shop. The body shop calls you because I did not go through the insurance body shops, the associated ones. Yeah. I went to the one that I wanted to because you have the right to with yeah. all, all insurance. And since you're hiring them, they and call you. And you were just not a plug for State Farm, but you had State Farm. Yeah, State Farm, yeah. I, I, fantastic company in, in my eyes. Everything, Every issue I've had has been resolved very well. And I think it also depends a lot on the agent that you have. Yeah. Um, I have a fantastic agent, Latrice McClay. If you, Chicago area, <laughs> go to her. She's fantastic. She hasn't paid me for doing this, but I'm sure she'll be happy to hear this. Yeah. Anyway, so they make you go out to like the body shop, and you have to review the car with them because they want to make sure that before the adjuster gets there, they know everything that's wrong with the car. Yeah. Aside from the inspection that they do, but like you know, you go out there and and, and the person's got a marker, and man, it was out there in like a dirt lot that they had in front of the body shop, and it's like oh. it's like a, it's almost like a wake or a funeral. Like oh, you, it is. you know, you're saying goodbye to. This kid, even though, like, you know, like, it's just a car. It's like, well, you know, this is the end of the road for this kid. But you know what I think the worst part was? The worst part was that where it was, I knew it was going to be. Well, we, we obviously, Dan and I know the car, so, you know, it's pretty easy to tell what stuff is going to be worth. I knew it was going to be a total loss. Yeah. So I parked my disco on the street side by side to it in when it hadn't been touched yet, hadn't been towed. And I emptied out everything that I had from one car to another. And man, that was gut wrenching because, like, there's there are so many things in there that, you know, stuff that I've had from a long time and and stuff that was my daughter's and man, it was hard. Yeah, it was gut wrenching. So that being said, you started to do the process of the arduous task of looking for another vehicle. You and I looked at one. Um, Yes. So my initial idea, obviously, my my gut feeling was, okay, this was an 06. Let me find an 09. Yeah. Because I figured Because you want to stay within the yeah. parameters of... of... Just, to, just for everybody to know, my 4.4 had 174,000 miles on it, and the engine and the transmission were flawless. Yeah. All I did was change... Um, you know, basic service, the, the the pulley, the belt pulley went one time and made a weird noise. I didn't even drive it like 10 feet. I stopped, had it towed, replaced that, everything. It was just amazing car for for that. The yeah. engine was fantastic. Now, I, I needed to change some bushings in the front, obviously, because they had been going through. We, You and I did the back brakes, right? Yep. A while back, we had the parts to do the front brakes. Yep. <laughs> Which have now gone to the parts depot. <laughs> yes, now I have them. Yes. Uh, as well as some mats and a nice cargo tray and like some other. I have to, I have to bring you the, 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 the cargo cover. I've got that in the garage. Oh, okay. I saved that one too. Anyway, so my thought process here was what do I buy now? Because I don't want to spend any more money than what insurance gave me. Um, I have lots Did of- Did we say what they gave you? We didn't. We're going to keep that. Okay. Just know, people, that it's negotiable. It is. So yeah. when the insurance company tries to undercut you, like, get your. When they're going to call you to go over your valuation, have your information. I can't say that I know you got almost twice as much as what you would have got if you tr- would have tried to sell it on the street here. Yes. 100%. Yes. yes. Anyway, so, um, so I, I came out. 
well. I was I was happy with what I got. Yeah. Anyway, so my thought was, okay, what do I want to buy now? And my first thought was a, was a was an 09. And after like three or four days of looking, I thought this is going to be impossible. There's not I can't first of all, I can't find 09s. Like I can find some some 7s and 8s. And well, six. we but we know why and I think we've touched on this. 09s are the hardest year to find in any luxury car because the world had crashed in 08. People didn't have money. People weren't buying $100,000 cars for the 09s. And so um, very little 09s are out there, which is why like an 09 Supercharged, Asus HSE, like there's certain 09s in Bentleys, like across the whole Lux uh, spectrum, 09s are always the hardest to find. Yeah. So... I very soon realized that I was going to need a daily driver because, I mean, I love my, my classics, but, you know, daily driving a Mini in the city of Chicago, is, <laughs> it's quite fun, actually. Yeah, those speed bumps are a blast. But, a mini. <laughs> but with the pothole-filled roads, and the other thing is, no, even though this Mini is yellow, so it actually, it's nice because it's nice because people see you. Because when you're in a green Mini, you're, like, invisible. You're, you can see you less than a motorcycle because a motorcycle is taller yeah. than when you're sitting on it. And if you wear a reflective vest or something yellow, anyway. So my thought process was, okay, what other cars could I find? So I thought, well, you know, I also have my, like Dan and I have our taste for Mercedes. And I, I've i always liked the CLS sedan. That, the well, sedan, it's a sport coupe, four-door coupe. And I almost bought one before I bought the L322. So I thought, oh, let me go back to that. So I went to see one, and it was a very nice car. drove great. Mercedes, you know, good. But I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I just couldn't bring myself to buy it. Yeah. I thought, this is going to be a second car, and if it's going to be a second car, it's going to be a, some type of real coupe or a classic coupe or a W124 coupe or something like that. I'm not right. So then I went into the Land Rover range. I thought, okay, well, what what is there? And LR3s, LR4s. We know those are problematic in general, but I kind of scoped the market for that. And then I came to the realization that I wanted an L320. For those of you that don't recognize it by that name, it is the Range Rover Sport. And I went to, Dan and I went to see one. It was an 07, I believe. Yeah. Um, 105,000 miles, reasonably priced, good interior, good everything. Until I went to see it with my daughter, and it was parked at a lot that was really tight, so I couldn't look underneath. And so as soon as Dan and I got to see it, we looked underneath, and Dan looked at me like, I'm like Swiss cheese. I'm like, no. It was, it, the, these cars have a metal cover under that covers the gas tank. This one didn't have a metal cover anymore. No. I mean, Rusted it, away. Yeah, because what happens is all the water literally sits in this tray, and it rust from inside out so usually when you're like you're climbing under and looking at especially the early 320s if it's a northern car 90 percent of the time it's just that cover is just going to be rusted out and this one was basically on the ground yeah and my first my first idea was to go for the 4.4 because i know the engine is good and i i thought well let me see if i can find and in, in the l320 it, the 4.4 actually goes from 2005 yeah so it's 2005 to 2009 um, and I looked and I looked 
And my mother lives in Arizona, so I thought, oh, I'll go to Arizona. I'll find one there. In Arizona, anything, everything is like super high mileage. Also, and then I kind of thought, well, let me try to find something a little bit newer. Mm. And I came across a 2010 um, supercharger, supercharged 5.0 with um, H. I think it's the equivalent of the HSE because it's got all the bells and whistles on it. It does. It did have a lot of stuff going on. Paddle shifter, anything like that. So the specifics about this car that we know. So the 5.0 we know has the timing chain problems. So the the timing chain um, tensioners and the guides wear out and... That's a what like a five grand job? It's it's seven to eight grand if you take it to Land Rover. If you can get an indie guy to do it, it's they usually can do it between like three and four. Yeah. So. So, the so one- should we just like preface this like for how many seasons we've done on this? We've always said whatever you do, don't buy a Mark Three. You know, 5.0 supercharger, and here we are today. Okay, so I know I did, but here's, the, here's yes, we've always said the 5.0, the 5.0 supercharged or 5.0 is not the best one to buy because of this issue specifically, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But you can always look for one that has had this done. Yes. Which is the case. And how many miles does this have? So it has 128 Yep. I believe. Which isn't bad. And which is around the time. Because the timing chain apparently was just done recently, right? It was done actually like 500 miles ago. Yeah. So this is usually around that time frame between 100 and 120-ish is when the service uh, tends to come up. So it's fantastic that it that was done. Yes. So it's cream interior with... Dark silver. Is it Bonatti gray? What is that? I I just saw the I just saw it on the front balance and I and I wasn't paying attention. It, we just had the hood open and I know I didn't look because I was like kind of just looking at the bay. Anyway, uh, I got a I got a good deal on it. Um, the terrain selector module needs to be replaced because it doesn't communicate with a button. But um, I researched that before buying it, and I'm hoping that it is. The module, which is situated behind the battery in the engine bay, and therefore probably gets a shit ton of water there because it's a terrible place to put a module underneath, basically underneath the windshield. Yeah, and so, it doesn't matter that it's even in, you know, enclosed in that box. It still doesn't like. Yeah, not going to protect it yeah. anyway. So, Dan, what do you think about it? Um, so from a driving experience. You know, it's it's a it's obviously fun to drive. Um, it's got a lot of uh, you know, obviously get up and go with the supercharger. Um, you know, it the sport has never been my uh, aesthetic taste. Like I think the the rear. 25% of the car just doesn't do it for me from but from a driving experience it's it's definitely um sporty you know living in a couple of L322s and then getting behind the wheel of 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 this kind of reminds me of like when you transition from 
a Range Rover Classic to like a Defender 90. Like it, the, you know, the sport is tight. Like it's, you're basically in um, a cockpit, you know, which is the design of it. Like, I mean, it, it's meant to be, you know, sporty and, and, uh, yeah. you know, just kind of, it's just built like that. Um, so, so for me, um, I, I kind of wanted, I mean, if I would have found a three, three, two, two, that was good. I would have bought that clearly, but given that I kind of need a car cause I have a child and, you know, I got to do a school run and stuff like that. Um, I, and, and the winter upon us too. I, I mean, I could, I, I've got some classic, I mean, I have a, a, a restored classic that's coming in a 300 TDI and a 200 TDI disco that are both coming in. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a, a pretty good winter car, right? I mean, it's, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's a Range Rover, so it I mean, the, should handle itself pretty good. What, I, what I am kind of concerned about, which, okay, so let me do the whole review and then that yeah, plus it's like lower than the 22. Yes. So in terms of like interior, the interior is different. It's obviously tighter because it's smaller, but it's a fantastically functional design. It's super comfortable. Well, that's just way. it. Like every, like just how I, how I do that is like if my right hand, like everything is just really function, like within perfect reach for that vehicle. Like, you know, they're always smart about like, you know, all the details when they come to interiors. I I did like that about that. Well, yeah, that that I think is a is a key is a, is a key to Land Rover design. It's like one of the things I've that I was just mentioning to Dan is that like the design of interior design of the Range Rover is just it's always fantastic. Like there's yeah. no there's nothing that you would say, "Oh, I would change this." And and the buttons are beautifully done and they're easy and it's intuitive and it's you know easy to get around the menu and but anyway so it's driving experience so clearly that's this is a huge um power upgrade because we're going from the 4.4 l322 that has about 300 horsepower to a 5.0 that has about four i think it's like 450 or 500 so it's, it's a pretty big figure the the gas pedal is incredibly responsive yeah, it is just you just tap it and you go. It has a six-speed transmission, which I haven't looked into, but but um, the specs of it, but it's fantastic. I mean, it, it's the response is like sports car response. Yeah, and the other thing that I like and dislike is that it's got paddle shift, but the paddles are really close to, to the, the wheel. to the wheel, and they're not paddles that are on the column; they're actually on the wheel, so they turn with you. Right. So it's very easy at any point in time when you click it to click on the manual shift. So even if you touch one paddle, it will go into manual by itself. And all of a sudden you see on your screen, you're, you know, whatever, five, four, three, whatever gear you're in. So that can be kind of misleading at some point in time or kind of confusing because if you're not paying attention, you're going to be like, well, whoa, this car isn't shifting. Well, this is waiting for you to shift it. Um, you're like, why is it engine braking? Like, what is going on? Yeah, here? yeah, yeah. Why, why? So the tr I find the engine fantastic, the transmission fantastic, too much power for that for that type of car, in my opinion. But I understand that there's maybe some of you out there that after you drop off the kids want to have a little fun going home and you don't maybe want to buy a Porsche. So it is a, an incredibly quick car for the size. Yeah. Um, the ride I find a lot stiffer than the L322, 
which is probably normal because you have almost 200 horsepower more, so you got to keep that car from leaning over and tilting. Um, the steering is incredibly responsive, just as it is in the L322, so I yeah. don't find any difference there. Um, braking is going to be better or equitable because it has bigger brakes with Brembo calipers, but the L322, I feel like, has a good good set of brakes on it to begin with. You know, Very, very good for the the car, the weight, the speed that it can get to. Um, and it's just kind of the acceleration. So what I don't like about it is just intrinsic to the car, right? Because it's smaller. You're right. Yep. So the only detail I wish they would have done is the split tailgate. It doesn't have a split tailgate. Well, it has a different type of split tailgate, which is you can lift up only the glass or the whole door. Oh, right. Yeah. But that's not the you know half tailgate. Because, you know, like when you have kids... It's quite nice because if, you know, you went out to play in the mud or the snow, you just prop them up on the real tailgate and yep. change, you know, they can take off their snow gear. Their, yep. So that's actually quite useful and, you know, what it's designed for. If you could sit there and have a drink or have some coffee, you know, um, while you're waiting for the soccer game to be done or stuff like that, it's actually quite a nice place to be. Yeah. Um, so overall... Honestly, I mean, I really do like the car. I've only had it for like three days, so I really do like it. But I'm not sure it completely feels like a Range Rover. And this is, you know, I mean, I, th I think we've owned enough Range Rovers yeah. between the two of us and driven enough variations of of model. Yep. Um, and you know what I think is is what kills the feeling of it being a Range Rover? The seating position. It's the only Range Rover product that I've driven. I, well, I it's like sitting in any other SUV. It's yeah. Just... I haven't gone into the Velar or the Evoque or, you know, the new stuff that they're putting under the well, Range the Rover. Well, the Velar's a lot lower than... <laughs> the Range Rover brand. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that's that's the part that, I mean, I sit in there and I'm like, mm, I'm sitting in a Land Rover. Yes. And the design is wonderful. And it's a great place to be. And I love the color combination, the leather dash and all that. But... I'm thinking, this isn't really a Range Rover. Yeah. But, I mean, I, 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 it was always entry level, so it was a little bit cheaper than the Range Rover. Yep. And it's a little bit smaller, which a lot of people don't need all that much space or size or don't want that. Right. And, you know, it's it's a different... It was the first, you know, diversion of the, of just the plain Range Rover that, that Land Rover actually made. Right, and it like, basically saved the company. Yeah. So I think it's a fantastic car. I'm very happy with with it so far um it it just i but it is a, a little bit of a departure for for me in in you know because the all three i mean then it's got the convenience stuff it's like a push button start and you've got the remote that you open the door it senses that you're close and you know stuff like that that you don't even need to click the button to open it right so all of that little stuff which is yeah makes it convenient and comfortable and this one's nice too because it has a harmony card and sound system so it actually sounds pretty well in there just like in my in my Gaverny green. So I, I do like it a lot. I'm just not sure it's a Range Rover. That's right. my conclusion. All right. I mean, I think, I think in the end you got a great deal considering that, you know, a major service was, you know, was done and compared to like, you know, what we see, uh, them selling for in the market. I think you did pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm 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 happy with it. Um, I do like it a lot. Um, it's the color combination; I think suits it quite well too. 
But anyway, so that's my initial review of the L320. We'll get to a little bit, you know, in further episodes. We'll, we'll revisit we'll, it in a couple months and yeah. see how... Uh, see how many breakdowns there have been. <laughs> or how many service items need to be taken care of. Um, the other thing that I like, too, is that it still has um, analog dials. So your your rev counter and your... Um, oh, yeah. And your speedometer are still analog, which I find that really nice. Yeah. Because um, I know the later generation has it, everything digital. Every, everything's digital. And yeah. the, and that, I, I don't know, I think it takes a little bit away from it. Um, and, oh, the other thing I figured out, it has a little cooler in the armrest. So I don't know how I don't know how it works or if it works, but when you lift up the armrest, you've got a little tray, and if you pull out the little tray, it's all white in there, like metallic, like as if it were a little refrigerator or cooler. So then you do have the... HSC then. I, mean, I, I would think it's an HSC. Yeah. I mean, it has a Harman Kardon sound system, and it's got all the little, you know, bits and bobs and extras, which is, you know, like, for me, it was all about the engine. That's all, all I cared about. If it wasn't an HSC or if it was, I didn't, I wasn't going specifically for supercharged either. Right. It was just, I found this one. And it had the service. Had the service. It was done right. And, and the guy was very nice when he told me about it. He sold me to it. He runs a shop and a dealership as well. And so I, 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 that was it was nice to you know he knew the car he knew the cars as well so um dan i've got some cars coming you do yes what do you have coming finally my fully restored range rover classic first year soft dash 300 tdi manual air conditioning no sunroof in coniston green will be here next week Watch out for bring a trailer on that one. I cannot wait um, to drive it, that. Now that was, you said that's a petrol, right? No, no, that one's diesel. 300 oh, three hundred, yeah. So that one's been a process. Um, restorations sometimes need a little push, a little bit more work. Anyway, we'll get to that one when it arrives, and and Dan can see it. And I also have coming a really cool, um, you know, basic. Um, what what's the other? You know that you know how the. Um, the other typical green color, what's the name of it? For 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 early nineties, um, it's I'm blanking on. It. Anyway, uh, two hundred TDI Disco uh, Ardennes. Yeah, but the Ardennes is the typical one, and then there's another one that's ever so slightly lighter. It looks almost the same. And not Coniston. It's not, not Coniston. Ardennes. It's metallic too. Anyway, so I bought that one I bought on my on my second to last trip to Spain of the three that I've done this summer. And most of you are thinking, wow, you're lucky. And I am. But damn, that was a lot of work. Um, so I have that one coming to two door disco, 200 TDI, factory air conditioning, dual sunroofs, jump seats in the back. A lot of service done. Say two owners from new. The last guy owned it for 10 years. Hunter. So. He used to, or he used to hunt and and used to take it out and and off road trails and stuff like that. Anyway, really cool car. That, that one I'm very excited about because I uh, drove it around Madrid for a while before I had it um, painted and then um, shipped over. And I made a purchase a couple weeks ago. What did you buy? You know what it is. It is the ever so rare Range Rover P38. With a 4.0 and a five-speed manual, and you're definitely wait. That was the blue one, right? The blue one. Yeah. Barcelona car from new. Uh, I believe two owners. 
uh, they basically just used it to get around the area, so it doesn't didn't have any off road off road ish stuff. Uh, blue, it was it's an SE, so it's blue with um, with a leather gray leather interior, factory air conditioning. It doesn't have a sunroof, which is always a plus. Yep, and a five speed manual, four runs great. So that one will also be on Bring a Trailer, but that one's going to take a few weeks to get here. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll discuss it when it comes here because Dan's going to drive it and he might come over because Dan, are you still not a fan of the P thirty eight? Nope. Are nope. you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure. Again, it, and again, it, it's just all design to me. It just looks like a Jeep. Like they didn't put any, you know, they just didn't put any thought into you know the design. You know, it's just too. It just looks like a Jeep to me. Well, anyway, it was um, it was uh, it was a find that I had to buy because I'd been wanting to find a manual P thirty eight. I delved on a few diesels. In fact, I had one. I bought one in Spain, but then I realized it was too much work. For what needed to be done to it, so I resold it in Spain instead of importing it. I mean, it really is a unicorn. Like I don't think. I don't think I've seen one on on Bring a Trailer. So for those of you that don't know, the P38 came out in the um, rest of the world in 1994. And 94 and 95, you could actually go to Land Rover and you could choose. Do you want a classic or do you want a P38? They actually coexisted at dealerships. And some are even titled 96. So, um, And the first two years, 95... Um, 94, 95, and part of 96, they had two options, which was the 2.5 um, BMW turbo diesel engine. And Land Rover was so lazy that they literally, the valve covers are stamped with BMW logo and the letters BMW. They didn't even bother like, oh, let's put it Land Rover valve covers on it. No. The valve cover says BMW for the turbo diesel. Well, I said valve covers, but there's only one because it's a six-cylinder. Right. And you could get a 4.0 um, Land Rover engine, V8, and you could get an automatic or a manual. And then in 1996, they went to the four, they boarded out, made the 4.6, which is the most common one, which made its way through to 2001. So it's actually a very rare car because you could only get the manual with the 4.0. Right. With the 4.6, it all became automatic. That was, I think, the last time that Land Rover actually made a manual Range Rover was 1995 with the 4.0 or the or the 2.5 turbo diesel. Because I don't think after that you could get a manual from the. Fa- I mean, maybe you could special order something, but right as like an option that was given to you at the dealership. Well, when you know when you ordered your car, like, oh, do you want a manual? So I'm very excited about that car. I hope um I hope it gets the recognition that it deserves on uh on Bring a Trailer, and it will be interesting too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I can't wait to drive it. So, Dan, um, other than that, I tell a lot more about Spain, but I don't want to because it's been a lot. Yeah. Okay. What have you seen on the market lately? Uh, uh, I would say that the market is is kind of struggling. There, there hasn't been uh, any fantastic sales. There's been a couple of of anomalies like there was a d2 that sold for almost forty thousand that i thought was kind of bonkers and um 
you know, there's been a couple other sales that I think people just got emotionally uh, excited about it and kind of bought in. But what I what I have seen, and I don't know if you've noticed this, uh, I don't know if I ever pronounce this right, but you know those Costa Rican um, Ensamblador Automotriz. Yeah, thank you. I knew you could say. So there's there's a I don't know if you noticed, but there's a lot of them coming up um, to market lately, and there some of them have been um, actually performing pretty well. But right now, currently, there's a bunch. There's one on there, the 1970. Are you on the site now? Yeah. So there's like this green one that looks pretty uh, amazing. A color that's out of Costa Rica that I think they did a, a pretty decent. Do we do we know if these are all coming out of the, from the same seller? They're not coming out of the same seller. I just think a lot of um, uh, I think it's just a lot of them just coincidentally are like have been popping up. I mean, they're all pretty much coming out of. Let me just double check this this. Uh, turquoise one so the the thing one of the, one of the things um so i i'm pretty sure that most of the ones coming out of costa rica are probably um knockdown kits that were sent from the uk they weren't santanas right now one of the things if you want to distinguish like very like real quickly just on quick plain sight that you can distinguish a santana um built rover for land rover from a from a solo hole built land rover is actually the rear door yeah if you look at the rear door see um, they're squared or rounded right um yeah they're squared around it the rounded ones are the uk the uk solo hole knockdown kits the square doors are the santana specific yeah right now i'm not really sure about ensamblador automotriz uh, i would think that this was a costa rica market specific because most of the latin american markets were actually for santana Right, so, so I mean, all of the all of this brand, all of them seem to be coming specifically out of Costa Rica. And who knows? Maybe there was an agreement. Maybe I haven't looked at the specifics or the details, but um, you know, it seems to me by just just by looking here, for example, you know, like the the gauges are Smiths and they're not Vega Bristol, or they're, you know. The, the 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 language on the gauges which look original is in English not in Spanish so I mean a lot of these seem to be like the 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 British series rovers yeah but you know we're a big you know I'm a big fan of Santana's anyway so I I don't see why there would be that much of a difference but there seems to be and Santana's have have and you've been saying this for a while are slowly creeping up in and sale prices. Well, yeah, because they're you know they're you know finding a series rover from a dry country is is a hard thing to do. So yeah, and Spain had a lot of them, and and they've you know they've been some of them have been kept up less or more, but usually they're pretty rust free. So yep, yeah. Overall, like the I think the market is just struggling, and the higher or the newer within the last ten year cars. I think are struggling the most. Um, they're just, you know, not selling uh, like they used to. And I think that's true ac across the whole, even though you had a hard time finding what you wanted specifically, is it really uh, represent 
representing the the used market. I think the used car market is is kind of is struggling, you know, overall just from what I've read. Um there's just a lot of uh weird inventory out there that dealers pay too much for and now are trying to, you know, yeah, I mean, they, we're we're still having the aftermath of um, twenty twenty one. Yeah, I, I mean, we had the pandemic, and we had the shortage, and then we had the astronomical prices, and then we went back down, and then and they're still, you know, shipping shipping is still kind of there. Interest rates have gone up. There's like, you know, there's a lot of different factors that are kind of affecting um, a lot of. I, and I just think there's less availability in the new car market now. Um, I think pe- people are, you know, just holding on a little bit more sometimes yep. to their cars, and in lieu of maybe, you know, going out and really spending um, more money. So one car that I found um, that finished the other day was a diesel uh, a three three O turbo diesel V six twenty sixteen Range Rover, a TD six. Oh yeah, one just finished today for like nothing, like. Yeah, that that's the one. Oh yeah. Twenty one grand. Yeah. Now two years ago that probably would have been sixty. Well, no oh two yeah, I guess I'd say maybe closer to like forty or fifty. But the thing with these with these twenty sixteens it twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen there's a million for sale. So if you were to go on like Car Guru or like any site like that, I would say 90% of them only have 30 to 60,000 miles. And then everybody's like, they're done with it. Like, so there's a huge amount of inventory of these TD6s. Um, Why is that? Why? Because here's the thing. I've looked in, so I read like Spanish websites and Spanish forums and stuff like that, right? And UK, some of the UK ones too. And the TDV6 is considered like a really good engine. And you want to try to read something here. And people are like tearing it to bits. Well, I, I mean, a lot of it has to do with, you know, we just live in a different, you know, culture here, you know, so, and we've touched on this before. So would you rather drive now that you have the 5.0 supercharger, would you rather drive that? Let's say, let's say you bought that new for, uh, well, it's a sport. So you probably only would have paid like 70 max. Like, would you have rather got behind the wheel of that or one of these diesel TD6s and paid a little bit more. Like, I would have bought a diesel V6 and paid a little bit more, to be honest with you, because I think... And that, then why, why, knowing what you know now about the driving experience of... of well, I, well have, you, have, you, have you driven one of these TD6s? I haven't. Oh, have you? Yeah. So I had to, um, I had a friend who was looking to get one and he, there was one for sale over at, um, over here at Orloff 
And he's like, well, can we just go look at it? I'm like, okay. And the only thing that I liked about it, but I also didn't like about it, is that they don't they don't sound like diesels. You know, because me, I like I like the sound of yeah. of the diesel. It didn't sound like a diesel, but it 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 kind of drove like a diesel in the in the sense that like it obviously doesn't have uh you know the pickup. Well, but here's the but we were talking about this before. Like you just drove the L three two the my L three twenty yeah with a five point supercharger and yep. it's it's fast, it's quick. Yeah. Now, me owning it and driving it, I just don't think there's a need for that much power in a Range Rover. No. So, if I were given the the choice, I'd buy a diesel. Yeah, but so, but I, I think we're kind of looking at it, or maybe we're looking at it the wrong. We're not looking at it from the perspective of someone who's willing to like, because I I would never buy. A brand new Range Rover. No, I could, but I would never like. To me, like it's well, that's I, just dumb. I, I have so like I, if yeah. so if you were to spend a hundred grand on this TD six, and you're looking at your at your options of luxury vehicles, I would think that would be. And you're you're definitely not concerned about mileage. Yeah, that's true. So that, like, that, so then what does what does a diesel, what does the stigma of a diesel offer you in a $100,000 car that you're only going to get no, you're, tw- 12, you're, 12 miles more to the gallon? You're absolutely right there. No, that, that, that And is, that's why Range Rover stopped making it because they didn't understand and they barely sold any of these things, which is why there's a, a slew of them in that range. And they're a bitch to maintain. Like... It's 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 not like a yeah you two hundred TDI where you're just you change the oil. There's a a lot of shit to do with these, and and you're lucky if if your dealership has a diesel tech on hand every day. Like that's the other issue that Land Rover is having now is that they don't have a diesel tech in house. That is yeah that is that is true. I, I hadn't thought about it. So they you know they. You know, it's just it's just tough, and I, I think people a lot of people are like the idea of getting thirty five, thirty eight to the gallon, but yeah, when it comes to if it was if it was twenty grand less, maybe yeah, yeah, exactly. But it, it's not because you're still paying for the brand and the and the luxury. Now, if you know an L three two. Two V eight diesel comes over here in how much do we have left? We oh, still have five years. Yeah, we still have another five years. And no, actually we have four. This but the No three next year, Dan. But, but the sad thing is is so you go to Spain all the time. Are there even diesel L three two twos over there? Not many. No. <laughs> Not many. So the only ones that exist are gonna be Basically, UK versions, and they're going to be failed MOT, like pieces of crap that like, you know, so like, I don't think I'll ever, ever be able to get a diesel L322 as much as like, I love the idea of like, you know, 
owning one, I don't think realistically like that they're going to even exist by the time they actually become, you know, legal here. Well, I still have hope and I fully plan on buying one as soon as they're importable. Yeah. And that will be modeled year 2002. Um, so as soon as that's importable, so we don't have three years because starting next year we can import 99. So yeah, you only got three years left. You know what's weird? Speaking of not having to wait anymore, I'm surprised that no TD5s have started to hit any of these auction sites, and and they've been legal for the entire year. Yeah, basically nine the months. Enti- yeah, nine months. So it's weird that I'm not seeing any TD5s pop up on... I have an explanation for that. So the... Something happened in customs or something? like No. So um, the 98 model year is actually kind of like a la- like a leap year. So you do have some defenders that came in TD5, some discos that came in TD5. And the thing is... Um, it there's a it, it wasn't a clean cut year, so it's not like all 98s had had um, had TD five. Some 98s still had 300 TDIs in them. So, it's a- so we even though they've been legal all year, they they aren't that common. Oh, okay, because you know with everything with Land Rover kind of op- spills over to the following year. It's in the same way that you can find some Range Rover classics from '96. Right. So. It, they they don't I mean even though Land Rover doesn't make the cut that clean and I had this discussion with uh with Bring a Trailer recently because remember that four door three hundred TDI yeah okay so by Vin oh yeah like there was a thing by with by the Vin that was a ninety seven model year car but that car was registered first registration and fully spec'd out as a ninety six right it was yep. in nineteen ninety six. So there's kind of like a spillage of, of, so I would assume that next year we'll start seeing TD5s because I think basically all 99s are going to have TD5s in them. The thing is, too, that, that we're also entering Disco 2 territory, right? Right. So there are very few Disco 1s with TD5s. Well, that's just it. Like we like really on the cusp of, of foreign Discos being able to like yeah. come in, which, uh, I mean, we obviously... My disc goes a foreign, but like D two foreigns yeah. coming in. Yeah, we're we're right there. I'm I'm I want to try that 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 market out and see how it responds. So I'll probably find a, a D two um, with a TD five and a manual um, to bring in, but I have to wait till next year. Yeah, and probably like halfway through next year because the imports are based on not on model year or anything like that. No, wait, based you, on data manufacturing. you've been over there a lot. Have you? Have you? even seen any like pop up i you know i've been i've been i've had so many other projects going on at the same time that i just haven't had the time like even though i've been to spain three times in this this summer i know we weren't going to talk about spain but i was just curious if like td5s were on your radar when you have been over there they they haven't really been but i haven't really put the attention in because i really need to go to spain and spend four or five days with nobody bothering me and no other projects at hand, so I can actually get around. Is that even possible? You have a lot of family there. I, it is not. <laughs> it, it's not possible. It's not possible. I need. I need a vacation from Spain when yep, I come back. Right. 
Um, so I'm going to try to do that. I'm going to try my best. But, um, you know, it might require, you know, I think I'm going to start, I'm going to change my process up a little bit. But anyway. So the other thing, too, is that I'm, I'm thinking that there's got to be, well, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't disclose this, but we'll just say that the emissions regulations in the UK have gotten a hell of a lot more slick, stricter as of August of this year. That yep. means there's going to be some. There's going to be some stuff to buy there. There's going to be a lot of dumpage. Yeah, because they're they gotta they gotta get their money out of those vehicles. I mean, granted, it's really just within the parameters uh i mean if you live in cornwall or like if you still like live in the middle of you know if you're in the midlands you're fine but if you're in the london anywhere right? within like <laughs> 200 miles of london you're screwed yeah um anyway well dan i think that needs to be all for today okay um thank you for joining me i'm glad we got to do this Thank, thank you, everybody that listens to us and for holding on. And sorry for our lack of um, regularity here. Yeah. But we're going to try to get on that. Dan, I'll see you next week. All right. Sounds good. All right.